Minasan konnichiwa and welcome to the Board Game Dojo. I'm Eric and I don't know why specifically that intro song just pumped me up for today, but I'm here and I'm ready to talk about some games. Hope you had a great weekend and thank you so much for tapping into our little podcast today. Today, we have for your listening pleasure three games to go over, all from Japan. We have the Family Way game about building a department store. Department store builder. Okay, that wasn't like the best intro for that game, but you know, I gotta work with what I got. We have the two player abstract game that plays in five minutes, Bosa. And finally, we'll talk a little bit about Planet A to C, the reprinting of many people's Grail game, Ambient Abyssal. Before we get into the games, this is a monthly reminder that we are on Kofi, that's K O F I, where if you can, you can contribute to the show. We like this platform because you don't necessarily have to do a monthly contribution if you don't want to. You can just give a dollar. It helps us get more games to review for you. Of course, it's only if you want to and can afford, no pressure at all, seriously. And I also seriously hate doing this, so let's just get into the games. Now, last week we talked about Dojin games in our Wednesday mailbag episode, and we told you that we picked up some and would give you some more reviews of them. Well, we are going to start with one today called Depato Bilda, or Department Store Builder, a game from 2020 that is aimed at families. In this game, you're building up a department store that you could easily call a mall if it's more your style. You have a board in front of you that has five floors that can hold three stores each. On your turn, you have three choices of what you can do. Choice number one is to put a store from your hand onto your board somewhere. There are some restrictions of where you can place, but they're fairly simple. Like you can only start by building on the first floor or the basement. And then if you build on the first floor, you can start building on the second floor. And once you start building on the second floor, you can start on the third and so on. There are also cards that can only go on certain floors. But besides that, you can put the cards where you like. You'll place one from your hand, choose one of the stores from the four face-up stores in the middle, and put it back in your hand, then refill that middle card with a card from the draw pile. Next person's turn. The second choice is to grab a customer request card. Once you satisfy one of the conditions of the customer requests in the middle, you can spend your turn grabbing that card so that you are the one that gets to score for that request. There are four levels of difficulty in request cards. Level one is simply have X kind of store on Y floor. So it might be have a restaurant on the second floor. Pretty easy. Level two is a little harder and requires you to have two stores besides each other, like a sweet store and a good store. Level three requires you to build the same kind of store, one on top of the other, like two clothing stores, almost like they want you to build an old navy or a gap store. Finally, you have the level four cards that ask you to have an entire floor dedicated to a specific type of store, like an entire floor dedicated to kids stores. Again, if you satisfy the request, you need to take your whole turn to grab the card. And if someone gets it before you, it doesn't matter if you satisfy the condition, you don't get the points. Finally, the last option is to end your game, which the game calls opening your store. The sooner you do this, the more points you get. So if you decide there's no way for you to get more points by building or reaching objectives, you can do this instead. After you choose this action, you cannot do anything anymore. Once everyone opens their stores, which might just be everyone fills out their stores, it's time to score. Points are given based on who has the most source of each type of genre, points received by fulfilling customer requests, and points for quickly opening your store. Most points wins. There's also a light version in which you don't use a turn to take objectives. You simply keep them out there and build up your store. Whoever meets the most objectives at the end of the game wins. Start off with, I love the art of this game. Shout out to artist Makoto Takami for the adorable pixel art that really sets the mood for this game. The color palettes work, and it's great that it is colorblind friendly by having everything be not only designated by color, but by symbol. 
That is something we are increasingly becoming aware of, and we will try to mention it if games are colorblind friendly or not. I know some people may not be a fan of the pixel art, as our post on Instagram showed the other day, but I think it sets a nice nostalgic and cute mood. Now to the gameplay. I think designer Toshiko Sato really put together a nice package here. Although including a light version might be needed sometimes for youngins, I actually think the game as is provides a nice simple structure to please a wide range of ages. Younger kids will enjoy putting together a department store, and the mechanics there are simple enough for that to be its own enjoyment. But older kids and adults can enjoy the strategy of which stores to build, which objectives to aim for. And there's an interesting bit of interaction that isn't so much direct confrontation as much as observing what others are trying to do and making a quick decision as to whether you can beat them to it or if you need to change tactics. Something I totally missed on my first playthrough was the endgame scoring for if you had the most of each type of store. And this can be its own strategy in and of itself, or it can be your downfall. By specializing in a certain store, depending on the requests that come out, you might be able to go for two or three different request cards much more easily than others. And that's pretty great. But the more you specialize, sure, you'll get the bonus for that store, but you'll miss out on the end game scoring for all of the other types of shops. And this can really swing the game from a game that looks like it won't be close to a nail biter. And I think this was on purpose and a welcome inclusion for a family game. Because the way to succeed in requests is often not the way to succeed in diversification, it leads to games that are close, feeling like anyone can win. In our last couple of games, the winner has been decided by three points or less. In a game in which you get three points by finishing your store first, or three points for having the most of a certain kind of store, that's literally a turn or two difference, a card or two difference. Which means it's always easily chalked up to, it was just a lucky draw, excuse for winning. But also importantly for a family game to be played with kids, adults can easily choose to really play or to play the game if you get my drift. Because you can easily see what the kids are doing and just say that you didn't have the right cards in your hand. If you're looking for a family game with some really cute art, I take a look at Department Store Builder, designed by Toshiko Sato and published by Sato Familie. Our next game is one that has subscribed to the Suro school of at what price point would you like to buy this simple abstract game? We have a cheap version or a premium version. It's called Bosa, and it's a two-player game that takes around five minutes to play. Now, I want to make clear that these are the rules as they are in 2023 in May as I'm recording this. I'll explain the reason why later. But the rules are pretty straightforward. You'll roll two dice to start the two rows, one black row and one white row. You'll start with four card tile thingies in your hand that have what look like die faces on them, with some of the dots filled in black and some of them white. Those dots tell you the value of that tile for white and for black, with some simply having only one of those two colors. Your goal is to either get rid of all of your tiles in your hand, or complete your colored row from 1 to 7. You'll start your turn by drawing a tile. All of your tiles are face up for both players to see, by the way. Then you can choose to either use one of your three action tiles or play a tile. Let's start by the playing a tile. Your goal is to finish your colored row, in ascending order, from 1 to 7. You can't skip around either. You have to play the tile next to a tile already played or the dice itself. When you play a tile, you have to use either one more or one less tile that add up to the next tile. So let's say that I am playing as white. I roll a three to start the game, and luckily for me, I have one tile in my hand that has three dots and one that has one, which adds to four. So I play those two tiles next to the die. So that's three, then four. Now, because I play two tiles to equal four, on my next turn, I need to play either one, which is one less, or three, which is one more tile, that add up to five. Or I could play on the other side of the die, something that adds to two, and start going the other direction. Or I could play on my opponent's line with the same rules. That's the play a tile action. The other choice is to use one of your one-time action chips. 
There's the exchange action that allows you to discard one of your tiles and draw one from the stack. There's the stack action that allows you to play a tile on top of one already played that is the same value and number of tiles. So if I already played, let's say, the two tiles to equal four that are one white and three white, I could play a one white and three white on top of them. The last action allows you to switch one tile with your opponent, giving them your garbage and taking their good tile. Now the other possible winning condition is that your opponent just loses. You lose if you can't do anything, like play a tile and have no actions left. If the draw pile is empty, the game is also over, and the person with the most tiles left loses. So let's come back to the point of why I emphasized when I am explaining this rule set. It's because this isn't the original rule set. Like a video game coming out with patches, this is just an iteration of the rule set. And this rule set isn't even included in the game box that I have. Originally, there were two rule sets that came out, the standard rules and the advanced rules. But then after publishing, all the reviews came out saying, hey, don't bother with the standard rules. That's not the fun way to play. Play with the advanced rules. That's the way to play. So, okay, they put on a new YouTube video a couple months ago with the updated rules, and lo and behold, it's just the advanced rules, which they already had a video on. The main change was the tile placement. In the standard version, you could put the same number of tiles or one more tile. So if in my early example, I used two tiles to add up to four, I could put two or three tiles to add to five instead of the one less or one more rules. So I use two tiles so I can use one tile or three tiles. The basic rules also didn't have as many win-lose conditions. But we aren't talking about those, because those are the old rules, clearly, and I can appreciate a developer that listens to feedback and implements it officially. And now there is a new, newer edition that comes with a mini-expansion that I can't seem to find anywhere for the developing the game. This game is one of those games that begs you to play in rounds. You can lose this game in the first minute, and I haven't had a game last more than five. So you want to play this over and over. Hey, today, let's go best of three, or today, let's go best of five. It's a very tiny box, so I think the idea is that you can bring this to work and play it even on a small coffee table over lunch break with a coworker. And the price is pretty nice on the standard edition. It's something like $15. And because it's been decently successful, it's always in print. And there's different levels of deluxification. Sure, the cheap version is $15, but you could go in for the $50 or $70 premium tile version, right? But let's actually get to the gameplay. Because this is one of those games that I bought after my excitement from Square on sale, which you can watch our review of on YouTube, where I said that I was going to try out more abstract games thanks to how much I enjoyed it. And Bosa reminded me why I stopped playing abstract games. This game is just not what I like in games, although there is enough there for me to appreciate it and talk about it so that if it's up your avenue, you can see if it sounds good. For one, if I'm going to play something like this, I want to be able to strategize, to control my own fate. If I'm going to lose to someone, I want it to be because they bested me. But this game relies a lot on luck. The original dice roll could stagnate you from the beginning, or your original tile draw and subsequent ones can just make it feel like you're going to inevitably lose, it's just trying to survive long enough that hopefully your opponent loses first. It feels more like a game where I'm trying not to lose, rather than trying to win. And part of that might be my impatience. I am both a beneficiary and a victim of the board game boom we are in. I am never wanting of a new, interesting game. There's always ones coming out, and they give me something new and shiny. A gimmick, perhaps, or an interesting theme. But Bosa comes, I think, from the school of thought where you play the same game, over and over, with the same person, fine-tuning your skills. Now, that's not the part I disagree with. So far, so good. But I think what bounces me off of Bosa is that it just isn't fun the first few times you play it. You can see how maybe it would be fun, but then you get trapped again and the momentum dies with your enjoyment. It's a game in which you have to give it time and effort to enjoy. 
You have to go into it with the thought that, okay, I'm going to play this 15 to 20 times and then evaluate how I feel about it. And I might not enjoy those first 15 times, but I'm going to keep going because the 20th time is the enjoyable part. Once I figure out how to change my strategy when I get an unlucky die roller, what tiles to give my opponent or when to use the action tiles. The problem is that I'm just too impatient. If I don't enjoy it the first five times I play it, why would I want to play it a sixth time? I'm the same way with TV shows. Stop telling me that I need to give it until season two. I don't want to watch 10 hours of TV so that I can finally get to the good part. And even when I get to season two or 30 plays, if half the time it's a stinker, I'm not sure I really want to try it again. But for those who want to dedicate themselves to a game, I think this one would work. The rules are simple once you give it a game or two, meaning that you can bring in more people to play it with you. Play a tournament if you want. The games are only five minutes. But for me, it just feels a bit too disjointed, a bit too fickle. I feel helpless, unable to control my own fate in the game. Is that partially because I don't want to give it the time? Eh, probably. But I'd just rather move on to a game I can enjoy from my very first plays. And that's Bosa, designed and published by Banana Moon Studio Sapporo, who have a great name, but one of the worst websites I've ever seen. Seriously, I will post the link to it below. You have to check it out after you're done listening to this podcast. The next game we will cover is going to be a bit more brief because we just did a 20 minute YouTube video about it that I'll post a link to below. But I did just want to go a little bit over Planet 8 to see, the reprint of Taiki Shinzawa's Ambient Abyssal, a game that came in a little plastic clamshell and because it was out of print, went for between $75 and $100. There was a bit of, uh, and maybe I'm being hyperbolic, uh, but a bit of a mythology around the game. I think this is partly because people joked around a lot about it, like giving an award just titled the Ambient Abyssal Award, which it no doubt won. But it did create a want for a lot of people to try out the game, which for most either meant paying out the wazoo for a copy or trying to proxy it with another game. So the Kickstarter for the reprint was quickly funded and has already arrived in Japan and soon abroad. This game is a climbing shedding game, meaning that you play cards from your hand by playing a card that is higher than the one on the table. You win by getting rid of all the cards in your hand. The hook to this game is that with climbing, you can climb either by number or by color. There is a card that shows which colors are most powerful. So let's say I play a gray six. Well, gray is the worst color, but six is the highest number. Well, doesn't matter. The next player plays a yellow two and says, we are playing color this round. So from then on, we are playing color for that meld. But the interesting thing that can happen is that I can play a terrible number and a terrible color. Let's say a gray one. Well, the next player can play a red three, higher in both number and in color, which means that we haven't figured out what we are playing yet. Finally, the next person plays a purple two and says, we are playing color the whole time. And because I just played the strongest color, I win. A very simple hook, but one that is very enticing. And it's very easy to learn, too. I've played this with people who had never played a climber before, and have had success with it. For a designer in Taiki Shinzawa that is known for maybe overly complex trick-takers like Ghosts of Christmas, two of the best climbing games for inexperienced players are his, Pin Komi Trio and Planet A to C. This game is not without its flaws, and we go over a lot of them in our YouTube video, which I think is well worth a watch if you're interested in the game, as we've gotten a lot of positive feedback from it. We also include a lot of the positives there as well, like how the hook makes the game replayable, and the scoring system making the game never take too long. Even in a crowded field of introductory climbing games that includes the likes of Scout and 535, we think this game is worth a spot on your shelf. And that's Planet A to C, designed by Taiki Shinzawa and published by Twins Lion Do. Well, that's all we have for today. We want to thank you again so much for joining us today. If you like what you heard, please, please, please give us a five-star rating and a written review. I'll leave links to references I made in this episode below, from our YouTube channel videos to that awful website. 
If you want to stay up to date with what we are playing, as well as our podcast episode and YouTube videos, I recommend checking out our Instagram page and Twitter. And if you have suggestions for the show, please email us at boardgamedojopodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again. Arigatou gozaimashita. Until next time, ciao ne! Yeah.